Hey, what's up? How's everyone doing? Good, right? Right. Today's an exciting day in Babylon Talmud. Tafkuf Bez of Masech the Shabbos. Today is like a black and white cookie. Uh, the first Amud is the last Amud in Parakas Zorek. The second Amud is the first Amud in Parakabona. And uh, you will notice the contrast. First Amud is talking about things like Hotsa'a and Zorek and Ha'avara and changing your mind in the middle and shtickle complexity. The second one is a little bit smoother. So, But I'll leave that for you to judge. Friends, let's do an overview before we begin. So the mission, we start out with a Mishnah on Daf Kuf Beis, Amaral at the top. And one of the big takeaways from there is that in order to be chayv korban chatas, you have to have a shogeg both at the beginning and at the end. Um, what happens if you throw something and then in the middle, while it's in flight, you realize, oh, oops, it's Shabbos, and then it lands. So you chayv chatas or not? Um, what happens? Listen to this, friends. What happens if you either throw something or you're walking, and the first two amis are bishogeg? The next two Amis are Bemazed. And then there's another two Amis, and those were Bishogeg. Aha. Uh-huh. What do you guys say? It's easy, right? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Okay. Um, what else can I tell you? What else can I tell you? Okay. Yeah, then we talked about, and then we move on to Bona and Makibipatesh and things like that. So, friends, uh, yeah, it's an interesting daf, exciting day. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully, hopefully, uh, the beginning of Bona is an indication of maybe a little bit of a easing of the an easing of the uh, intensity of the past like two weeks or so. Um, friends, let's do it. Kuf Beis and all the way at the top. New Mishnah. Hazorek, somebody who throws something. and then. Once the object already left his hands, he remembered, oops, it's Shabbos. Kalta acher. Now, if somebody else catches it, okay, so Reuven threw it, Shimon caught it. Kalta kelev, or if a dog caught it, ocean nisrifa, or it somehow got incinerated midair, potter, or at least before it landed. Okay, we're going to have to understand how to, under- how to understand this Mishnah. But, um, okay, Seder, we said that if a person throws something and he remembers in the middle, the question is, what about it? Is it going to be chayav achatas, pater? Not so clear. Well, I don't know. The Gemara talks about it. Um, great. And then if somebody else catches it and Kilu does the hanacha for you, so then you're going to be pater because, you know, you only did a zrika, uh, uh, an akira, not a hanacha. Viter. Zarek lasis chabura. If you threw Epis with the intention of making a um, wound, of, of hurting, you know, an animal or a person, okay, and then you, uh, so you threw Epis, and the intention was that you were going to, um, you know, you wanted to wound somebody or some animal, and then you realize in the middle, wait, it's Shabbos, I should probably wait till tomorrow to wound them, and... So then you're going to be putter because it was, right, sofo, shogeg, no, trilaso, shogeg, visofo, mazed. Okay, zeaklal, and here is the rule. Kochai vichataos, whenever it comes to an obligation to bring a korban chatas, enon chayovan achitei trilasan visofan shigaga. You're only chayv if the beginning and the end of the activity was um, a mistake. It was shogeg. However, if the beginning was by accident and the end was on purpose, or the beginning was on purpose, or the end was by accident, your potter, you need the beginning and the end to be shogeg. And interestingly enough, we're going to see in the Gemara, what if in the middle it was mazed? What if in the middle you remembered, but then you forgot again? So we're going to see. Friends, let's see what the Gemara has to say. Okay, so the Mishnah says, Hazorek, so going back to the top line of the Gemara, Hazorek, somebody throws something, okay, and once the item has left his hands, okay, and it's now flying in midair, 
he remembers, oops, it's Shabbos, okay? Now, the Mishnah had said, essentially, right? So the Mishnah had said, well, if somebody else catches it, then this guy who threw it is Pater, right? So Ruvain threw this object. It's flying through midair. He remembers that it's Shabbos. Shimon then catches it. The Mishnah says that Ruvain is Pater because they basically split the uh, Otzah, right? Right? Or the, in this case, Havara, Zorik, whatever, whatever, however you want to categorize it. But um, Ruvain did the Akira. Shimon did the Hanacha. So Ruvain's Pater. Now, the implication being, or the Gemara is trying to figure out, does that imply that if Shimon would not have caught it, and this item would have simply landed on the floor in Rosh Rabim, Ruven would be Chayev? Valo Nizkar, says the Gemara. But he rem- after all, while this object was in flight, he remembered that it was Shabbos. Utnan and the Mishnah said that in order to be chayav a korban chatos, the beginning and the end would have to be a mistake, would have to be shogeg. Yet over here in the middle, he realized that it's Shabbos. So he had tchilaso shkaga, but visofo was mazed. At that point, he already knew it was Shabbos. So what's pshat? On the one end, we're saying that when Shimon catches it, then Ruvain's potter, implying that if Shimon would not have caught it and it would have simply landed in Rosh Hashanah, then Ruvain would be Chayav. But one second, he remembered after all in the middle while the object was in midair that it was Shabbos, in which case by the time that it landed and the Hanacha happened, it was no longer Shogeg. So then shouldn't he be potter? Because after all the Mishnah said that in order to be Chayav Korban Chathas, you have to have Tchila and Sof Shogeg. So what's Pshat, friends? So I'm a Rav Kahana. Says Rav Kahana, Seifa Asan Lelachto Misna. The Seifa, that thing about needing Tchila and Sof to be Bishogeg in order to be Chayav Korban Chatas, it's not talking about when you throw something. That is talking about, well, it is talking about when you throw something, but not when you throw something that leaves your hand. That is talking about when you have um, some kind of a clamp that you, Basically, donkeys, when they were carrying wine, they would somehow clamp the barrels of wine to the donkeys, whatever it is. But what's important for us is that this clamp had a rope on it, okay? And basically what you're doing is, you're th- if you were, forget about the donkey and the clamp anymore, right? That, that's just what it is. It's a clamp that they would use for donkeys and had a rope attached to it. Great. Now, in a completely different context, if you would take this clamp and you would throw it for Amos and Rosh Hashanah and you would realize in the middle, wait a second, I shouldn't be throwing this, it's Shabbos. So then you jerk back, you yank back the rope and bring it back to you um, so that you would avoid throwing it. So basically you have this clamp, you have something that's attached to a rope that it's in your power at this point to yank it back towards you. And what happens? So you throw this clamp, it's attached to a rope, it's flying in midair. You realize, uh uh-oh, it's Shabbos. I, I should quickly, you know, I should, I'm not allowed to do this on Shabbos, but then you leave it. You don't, you don't yank back the rope. You could have, but you didn't. And you allow it to land in Rosh Hashanah four hours later. So in that case, you're going to be putter from bringing a Korban Chathas because you could have actually yanked back the rope and pulled it back and actually done something to avoid doing the, right, avoid, avoid uh, throwing it for Amos from Shusram. And from the fact that you didn't yank it back, that's what makes it Sofo Zadon, right? And therefore, since you were basically empowered, you were in control of the situation, both by the Akira and by the Anacha, that you threw it Bishogeg, and then you could have yanked it back to avoid it landing after four Amos, but you didn't. Therefore, you basically, it was within your power to have that Hanacha be B'meizid, so that's why it's Tchilaso B'shogeg, Tchila B'shogeg, Sofo B'meizid, and you're going to be Pater. However, says of Kahana, in our Mishnah, in the Reish of the Mishnah, when you take an object and you throw it for Amos and it left your hand, it's already out of your control, 
and it was bishogeg when you threw it. So at this point, at the time that it lands, you're going to be chayav a korban chatas because that rule of of the beginning being bishogeg and the end being bishogeg that is only when both the beginning and the end are in your control. But in our Mishnah, when you throw something and it leaves your hand and it's not tied to a rope and it's going to land when it lands, well, at that case, since when you throw it, when you threw it, it was bishogeg, so you're going to be chayav a korban chatas even though you remembered in the middle. You got that, friends? So again, back from the beginning of the Gemara. Hanacha, chayav. Our mission implies that if when you throw something and then you remember in the middle that, that uh, it's Shabbos and it lands, it sounds like you're going to be chayev. Right? You'd only be potter if your friend Shimon catches it. Velo nizkar, but one second, in the middle he remembered. Utsnan, and we learn in our mission in the Seifa, then in order to be chayav a korban chatas, both the tchila and the sof has to be bishogeg. And over here, while the tchila was bishogeg, the sof you had already remembered, so it was bemazed. You should be potter, right? So I'm Rav Gana Seifa, asain lilachto misna. The Seifa, when it talks about the beginning being bishogeg and the end being bishogeg, that is only for something like a uh, clamp that has a rope attached to it, where you you know in control both at the beginning and at the end. And therefore, when you remembered in the middle that it's Shabbos and yet you did not yank it back, so that's why you're going to be uh, potter from a korban because while the tchila was bishogeg, the sof was bemazed because you didn't do anything to, to prevent it from happening. But the Gemara says, misna ogdo But the Gemara says, but this clamp and rope is not actually considered throwing. Since you're holding on to it the entire time. Throwing by definition means it leaves your hand. It leaves your control. It travels through the air on its own at some point. It's impossible for you to be chayev for zorek when you're holding on to the object the entire time. Such as this case when you have the clamp that's attached to the rope and the rope is in your hand the entire time. So you're not going to be chayev bichlal for lachta umisna. Take this clamp, throw it as far as you want. As long as you're still holding on to the rope, you're not going to be chayev at all. So, Rav Kana, don't tell me that that uh, the trila and sof and shogeg and mezid and chayev chatas, not chayev chatas, is talking about when you throw a clamp that's attached to a rope. There's nothing to talk about there. Of course you're potter. That's not considered throwing anything. So the Gemara says, Yeah, but kegon, shenizkavin lasos chabura. So the Gemara says, Yeah, 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 one second. But what this is talking about is you didn't just throw the clamp that's attached to the rope. You threw it at an animal or a person. You threw it with the intention of making a chabura, of hurt, of injuring this person and making them bleed. And now you threw it, this clamp and this rope, and you threw it bishogeg because you didn't realize it was Shabbos. And then while the thing was flying through the air, you realized, oh, oops, it's Shabbos. Uh, I really shouldn't make this person bleed. But you don't do anything about it. You don't yank it back. And it nonetheless, and it ends up hitting the person or the animal and making a wound. So in that case, you're going to be potter from a korban since you, when it left your hand, it was bishogeg. But when it hit the animal or the person, it was bemazed. Therefore, you're going to be potter. But not because of zorik, but for making a chabura. Because it was trila bishogeg, visofo bemazed. Therefore, you're going to be Potter. That's what the Seifa is talking about. But the Reisha, when you throw it and it leaves your hand and it leaves your control and the time that you threw it, it was Bishogeg, you're going to be Chayav a Korban Chatas. Even though you remembered it in the middle. Honami Tanina. But one second. But one second. Rav Kahana, if you're going to try and argue that the Seifa, the part that says that you need the Beginning and the end to be bishogeg is talking about when you throw a clamp that's that's attached by a rope in order to make a chabura, and we're saying in that case it depends on the tchila and the sof. But that we, the the Mishnah says that explicitly azorik lasos chabura that if somebody throws something, and we're defining that here to be as a clamp and a rope with the intention of making a wound. 
whether in a person or an animal, but he didn't realize that it was Shabbos, and then he remembered before that it was Shabbos before he actually made the wound. So potter. So the Mishnah already tells us that he's going to be potter since the, um, you know, Tchila was Beshogeg uh, and the Sofo was Bemezid. So if that's the case, well then what is the Ze'aklal, what does this rule come to teach us, right? Meaning Rav Kahana was just trying to argue that the Ze'aklal, that's not teaching us when you throw an object and you remember in the middle that um, it's Shabbos, you know, Rav Kahana says over there you would still be chayv since at the time that you threw it, you, you, you were um, bishogi, right? You can be chayv a chatos. Right? And we're trying to figure out, well then, what do we do about the seifa? What do we do about the seifa? That, the rule that says anything that you start out with shogeg and it ends up being mazed, your potter. We say that that's not talking about throwing, throwing something. So Rav Kahana said that it's talking about when you throw a clamp that's attached by a rope and you want to make a chabura, but then you realize that it's Shabbos. But the Mishnah already tells us that explicitly. So what is the Zeaklal talking about? What's the seifa? What's this? General rule talking about. So, so rather says Rava. The Seifa, the rule, is talking about when you're carrying something for Amis. Ha'avara. So you start walking, you're carrying something, and it's Bishogeg, you forgot it's Shabbos. After two Amis, you realize, oh, it's Shabbos. And you keep on walking another two Amis. So in that case, you are going to be potter from a korban chata since the beginning was b'shogeg and the end was b'mezid. And that is what the rule is talking about. It's talking about ha'avar. katani azrika katane. But one second. Don't tell me that ze'aklal is talking about ha'avara. But when it comes to zorek, the rule wouldn't apply. When it comes to zorek, if I throw something with an intention of shogeg, and then I remember in the middle, we're saying that I would be chayev. Well, then this is not the right place to be having this general rule about anything that you have tchila be shogeg and sofa be mezid, you're going to be potter. Right? Zea klal is talking about zorik, right? We're talking, the whole mission is talking about zorik. It's talking about when you're throwing things. And then it brings a cool, uh, 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 then, it, and then it says, and this is the general rule that anything that is tchilaso b'shogeg and sofa b'mezid, you're going to be potter. Now, if you're saying that that, that, that general rule is actually talking about something else, talking about havar, but doesn't actually apply to zorik, well then, you know, it, it, it's not really the right context to be making this general rule. The mission is talking about zorik and then saying a general rule, about Zorik, not about Ha'avara. So this general rule is going to have to apply to Zorik. Okay? So Ella Amarava, rather says Rava, Tarte Katani. Okay, here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Rather says Rava, the Mishnah is teaching us, the, the ratio of the Mishnah is talking about two things. Number one, Hazorik Vinizkar Me'achar Shayatsu Samiyado. So somebody who throws, Ruven throws an object, and then he realizes in the middle, while it's in flight, uh-oh, it's Shabbos. So at that case, he's going to be putter, because it was Tchilas Shogeg and Sofo B'mezid. Inami, or else, in what other cases will it be putter? Lone his car. He didn't remember in the middle that it was Shabbos. So it was completely B'shogeg, but it didn't actually land. V'kalta Acher, Shimon caught it. So Shimon did the Hanacha. Or a dog caught it. Or it got incinerated midair. Potter. In all these cases, it's going to be potter. So when he throws something and he remembers in midair that it's Shabbos, he's going to be potter. As well as if he didn't remember in midair, he just threw it by accident, but his friend caught it, his dog caught it, got burnt up. In all those cases, you're potter. Similar to Rava, but slightly different. He says, that um, you just read the, you have to add a few words into the Mishnah. A person who throws something, and while it's in mid-flight, he remembers, oh, it's Shabbos. Now, if somebody else catches it, 
So then, in all those cases, he's potter. What if nobody caught it? But if it landed, remember, it's talking about somebody who threw something. While it's in mid-flight, he remembered that it's Shabbos. And then it landed. We're saying he's going to be chayev. What about the fact that he remembered that it's mid-flight? When do we say that he's chayev? If he forgot again. Okay? I don't know what he was doing before he threw this object to make him so forgetful. But in any event, he threw the object, forgot it was Shabbos, remembered it was Shabbos, then forgot again that it was Shabbos. So in that case, he's going to be chayev. Um, but if he didn't remember once again, so then, meaning he just threw something, and then in the midair he forgot that it was Shabbos. No, I'm sorry, he, he threw something, and then in midair he remembered that it was Shabbos. So then it w- he would be a uh, potter. Because in order to be chayv a korban chadus, you have to have the tchila and the sov b'shogeg. So if he threw something, he forgot in the middle and then remember. No, if he threw something, then remembered in the middle that it was Shabbos, and then he forgot again that it's Shabbos. So then, so then he would be chayv a korban chadus because you have the tchila and the sov b'shogeg. But if he threw epis and then in the middle he remembered that it's Shabbos, and that was that, so then he'd be potter. Wow, that was a bit of a brain exercise, right? Well, all right. Well, I guess brain exercises are good. That would be nice if like brain exercises had an effect on the rest of your body. That would be good. So this is the rule. Any body, any chiyu of chatas would have to have the beginning and the end be by accident. Itmar. It was stated. Two amos by accident, two amos on purpose, two amos by accident. Now, we don't know what you're doing in these amos. Are you walking? Are you throwing? What are you doing? So, the Maise, the answer is both. Rabba says that you are potter for this two amos b'shogeg, two amos b'mezid, two amos b'shogeg. Rava says that you're chayev. Okay. Now, as we're going to see, they're talking about two completely different cases and they actually agree. They're just talking about two separate scenarios. However, keep in mind, Rabba and Rava do not disagree. They are just talking about two different contexts. Rabba Amar Pater. Okay. Rabba says that two Amos Bishogeg, two Amos Bemezid, two Amos Bishogeg, you are Pater. Friends, how come you're Pater? Because he's talking about Uh, he's talking about carrying, right? And therefore, if you carry something, two amos bishogeg, okay, but then the next two amos were bimezid, so you don't actually have a shear, right? Remember, in order to be chayav for ha'avara, you have to carry something for amos in Rishasarabim bishogeg. But you didn't do that here. You didn't carry something for amos bishogeg. You carried two amos bishogeg and two amos bimezid. So therefore, Rabbi is saying that you will be potter. Okay? Now, the Gemara is going to bring in something unrelated. Okay? The Gemara is going to mention that... Now, listen up. It's completely unrelated. And that is what the Gemara is going to basically say. That it's unrelated. But I'll just explain it first. So, when it comes to writing, right? Let's say you wrote one letter and then you wrote another letter. Okay? Because as we know already, I think from previous... Prakim, I believe, that the minimum shear for writing, right? I think it was from Klagal, right? Somebody who writes two letters. So let's say you have a fellow and he writes one letter, Bishogeg. And he writes a second letter, Bishogeg. So he wrote two letters, Bishogeg. So you're going to be Chayav Akorban Chatas. What if, however, in between the two letters he remembered, oh, it's Shabbos, I shouldn't be writing. So according to Gamliel, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, he did a complete shi'ur b'shogeg. He wrote two letters b'shogeg. The fact that in the middle, he remembered for a second that it was Shabbos and then he forgot again, we don't take that into account. He's chayav akorban chadis for writing two letters b'shogeg. Okay? Great. Remember, completely unrelated. Now, says the Gemara, Rabba Omar, uh, Rabba Omar Potter. So Rabba says, if, um, 
I'm just going to give away the end. It's just going to make it easier, I think, to understand. So Rabbi says, remember, if you walk two Amos be Shogeg, and then you walk two Amos be Mezid, okay? So in this case, you don't actually have a complete Shi'ur of Ha'avar, right? You have half of a Shi'ur be Shogeg, you have half of a Shi'ur be Mezid, and therefore you're going to be Pater. Now, I feel Rabban Gamliel, Now, even Rabban Gamliel, in that completely unrelated case, as we're going to show, that it's completely unrelated, where he says that um, when you write two letters Bishogeg, but in between, in the middle, you remembered for a split second that it was Shabbos, we don't care. We don't take that into consideration. There is no, uh, we don't consider significant any knowledge that was only, you know, at a halfway mark, at a half of a shear. Remember, he wrote one letter of Bishogeg. He then remembered, oh, it's Shabbos. He hadn't done a full shear of Ksiva yet. And then he completed the, the Shi'ur by writing the second letter, also Bishogeg. We say that the idea that he had in the middle, when it was halfway through the Malacha, doesn't count. So maybe, therefore, we would have the Havmina to say over here as well, that after he walked two Amos Bishogeg, and then he had his Yedia, and he realized, oops, it's Shabbos, so maybe I would apply the same concept of Ein Yedia Lachatzi Shi'ur, and say that that doesn't matter, that my knowledge that I had after two Amos is irrelevant since it wasn't a complete Shi'ur yet. But we say, Hasam Udichi Kagamar, Shi'ura Bishogeg Kagamar. The difference is, right, over there by writing, when he completed the shi'ur, when he completed the second letter, which is the minimum shi'ur for writing, he did, he completed the shi'ur bishogeg. He wrote two letters bishogeg. Sure, in the middle, for a split second, there was some kind of, uh, um, 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 recognition that today is Shabbos, then he immediately forgot again. We're not going to take that into consideration. But over here, where the shi'ur that he was doing, when he, right, right, when he completed the shi'ur, he completed it b'mezid, i.e. half of the shir was b'shogeg, half of the shir was b'mezid. So, you know, we're just going to say that there is no complete shi'ur b'shogeg, and therefore he's going to be putter. And we're not going to say that since he had some kind of knowledge halfway through, that right, we're not going to take it into account. The Rabbi Gamliel's opinion of ein yedir l'chatsi shi'ur is, one, is only when you have a complete melacha that was done b'shogeg, and in the middle, there was some idea for a split second. We don't take it into account. But over here, where the completion of the shi'ur was done b'mezid, i.e. you don't actually have a shear of a malacha that was done b'shogeg, of course you're not going to be putter, even though the realize, of course you're not going to be chayav korban chatas, even though the realization happened only in the middle. And you might say, oh, it doesn't count. Of course that idea counts. Idea only doesn't count when it's in the middle of an entire malach that was done b'shogeg. Fine. So now the Gemara wants to know, so wait, are we talking about throwing or are we talking about walking? Of course, I already told you we're talking about walking, we're talking about Havar, but just for a second, just flatter the Gemara and let them pretend like maybe it's talking about Zorik, right? Uvimai, are we talking about throwing something or are we talking about walking with something? Ibi Zorik, if we're talking about throwing something, shogegu. Well, remember, what are we talking about? We're talking about where there was two Amos Bishogeg, two Amos Bemezid, and another two Amos Bishogeg. So if we're talking about throwing, that you threw something, and the first two Amos of its flight, you didn't realize it was Shabbos. For the next two Amos of its flight, you realized, oops, it's Shabbos, and then you forgot again for the final two Amos, and therefore it was Bemezid again. Okay? So in that case, why would Rabbah say that you would be putter? You had an Akira, Bishogeg, Ahanacha Bishogeg. We don't care. I mean, right, that's the only part that's important when it comes to throwing the Akira and the Anacha. The Akira was Bishogeg, the Anacha was Bishogeg. Of course, you're going to be Chayav Korban Chatas. So, Elabimaiver. So, of course, it's talking about when you're walking, right, and you're carrying something. And by carrying, what's important is four Amos. And in this case, the first two Amos were Bishogeg, the last two Amos were Bimezid. Of course, you're going to be Potter. Now, Rava Amar says Rava. Remember, Rava says Chayev. So where does Rava say Chayev? We already kind of just gave it away a second ago. When you throw it, right? Because again, when you throw it, what's important is the Akira and the Anacha. And you, you, the Akira was Bishogeg. The Anacha was Bishogeg. Of 
course you're going to be high of a korban chatas. Now, remember, again, bringing it back to this idea, lechatsi shi'or, in a completely unrelated case. So, afil the rabbanan da'amur yeshidiyah lechatsi shi'or. Now, even according to the rabbanan, who back, remember, go back to the case of writing two letters, that they actually disagree with Rabban Gamliel. And they say that when you write the first letter, Bishogeg, and you write the second letter, Bishogeg, but in the middle there was a realization for a second that, wait, it's Shabbos, and then you forgot again. They say that that yediyah is considered significant, and they take that into account. And therefore they say that, that it's considered Shteya Alamos, two separate Alamos, and you're going to be Pater. So maybe over here you would say that, well, since the middle two Amos were Bemezid, there was a yediyah, oh, it's Shabbos for two of those Amos, and then you forgot again. So maybe that would split up the two Amos and say that you'd be Pater. No, Hasamudbiyado, over there where you actually were in control of the first letter and the second letter. So therefore when you had a idea in the middle, it's significant to say, oh, you should you know, that kind of broke up the two is two actions. but over here he can't do anything. You know, the thing's already in mid flight. So since it's you know, when he has the idea, it's out of his control to actually prevent the second part from happening, low, so then we're not going to take into account that yediyah that happens in the middle to say it's significant and therefore it's insignificant. And what is important is that the akira was with bishogeg, the anacha was bishogeg, and it's talking about when you throw something. But now, again, flatter the Gemara for a second. Let them, let them be able to think for a second that maybe it's talking about ha'avara. Uvimai, ibn ma'avir, Now if we're talking about ha'avara, that you're actually walking something, six amos, the first two bishogeg, the middle two bimezid, the last two bishogeg, well, then what does it mean that it's not in the con- his control to stop? When he has the realization, he's walking. Of course, he can stop. So Ella Bazar, he must be talking about where he throws, and it's out of his control uh, to stop it in the middle. Uh, okay, new so So what do we see? So we see both Rabba and Rava are gonna agree. They're just talking about two different cases. So therefore, the case when Rabba says that you potter, it's talking about when you walk something four amos, well, six amos, but basically you're, the shear for walking is four amos, and when you completed that shear, half of it was bishogeg, half of it was bemezid, therefore you're going to be potter. According to Rava, you're going to be chayev, because he's talking about throwing something. That the first, when you threw it, it was bishogeg, when it landed, it was bishogeg, in the middle it was bemezid, but who cares? What we care about is the akira and anacha, that was bishogeg. So of course you're going to be chayev, a korbin chatos. Okay, zok the gemara, Amar Rava, says Rava, zorak, it says Rabba, but I don't know the gear that says Rava. Honestly, I don't know. You, what do you? I'll, 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 maybe, maybe let's take a vote. What do you? What do you, what do you guys think? Rava or Rabba? And I can't hear you guys. I'm just gonna say Rava. Okay, I'm my Rava. Zarak vinacha bifi akelet. So if um, somebody threw something and it landed in the mouth of a dog, or bifi akivshan, or in the mouth of a furnace. One second. Rava is saying that if somebody threw something and it landed in a dog's mouth or in a, the opening of a furnace, you are going to be chayev. But didn't our Mishnah say, right? If somebody else caught it, or if a dog caught it, or it got incinerated, potter? So why would Rabbi be saying chayv if we have a mission that says pater? So hasam delay michavin. So when the our mission says you're pater, it's when you didn't intend for the dog to 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 catch it. But if you intend, you throw it to the dog for the dog to catch it. Well, then that's going to make it significant, and you're going to be chayv. Amar bevai barabaye. We also have a Mishnah in Kresus. You can have a friend who, 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 who eats one kezayis of something, and yet he's chayav four korban chatases and one ashem. Oh my gosh. I hope he saved up money for that. Oh my gosh. Maybe he could take it off of his taxes. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm arranging my taxes now. Uh, I'm not having such a good experience. <laughs> okay. Um, hatame, so now here, here's the example. Um, hatame so a person who is impure and he ate a kazayas of chelev, so wheat, vu nosar, and this chelev is also nosar, right? Kilu, it's from an animal. So, right, the chalavim ve'evarim, right? The chalavim, you are generally parts of the animal, I think, that like go on the mizbeach for God, 
right now there is a time when I guess they are supposed to go on the Mizbech, but although Nosar is usually in the context of like eating something, but somehow this Chelev was not eaten, well, nobody can really eat Chelev, but I guess it was part of, somehow it's considered Nosar. I don't know, how would this Chelev be considered Nosar? As opposed to like, what, what what's it called? Lun, right? Was when it doesn't get onto the Mizbech on time. I don't know. Some, somehow this Chelev is Nosar, and obviously it's Chelev, and this fellow is Tameh, Mina Mukdashim, and it's from Kadshim, Biyom Kippurim. Oh, of course, it's Yom Kippur, right? Can't eat on Yom Kippur. So if you do this, so you're going to have to bring a Korban Chatas for the fact that you ate Chelev, for the fact that you're eating Kadshim Betuma, for the fact that you're eating on Yom Kippur, so you have to make chatas for all those things. And the fourth chatas, well, then there's an ashram mi'ilos because you got hana'a from, from this chelev by eating it. And what's the fourth chatas? Ah, tumas aguf v'achal kodesh. Because eating, eating kachim, Rashi says, eating kachim betuma. Okay, and then there's also mi'ila. Wow, wow, wee, well, that guy's going to be busy. Okay. And then, Remeir says, actually, even if it's Shabbos and he takes it out in his mouth while he's eating it, he's also going to be high for Otsah. Great. Well, and it, so if, if it was Yom Kippur that fell out on Shabbos, so he'd also be high for, for Otsah. Okay, five Korban Chathases. Armelo, eno min To which the Chacham responded to Remeir, eh, leave him alone about the Korban Chathas for, um, for Otsah, because that, you know, we're not talking about Otsah, we're talking about Achila. Okay, say it. Ve'amai, but one second, Rabbi Meir, how can you even have the Havmina to say that it will be Chayav Korban Chathas for Otsah? This isn't Derech Otsah. It's not a normal way to take something out. So, Ella, Kevim de Chamichavin, Machshavta Meshavile Makom, Hachanami Kevim de Chamichavin, Machshavta Meshavile Makom. You know what the difference is? That, uh, since when he's eating it and he's intending to leave, uh, the building, I guess, and do Otsah, since it's his Kavana, that's what makes it significant. Here also, um, when you throw this object with the intention of the dog catching it, well then uh, that makes uh, the dog's mouth significant and it will be considered a hanacha and you will be chayev for, you know, even if the dog catches it. Hajan Allah Hazorik. Or maybe we should read it like Akasha. Hajan Allah Hazorik. Are we really going to get back to Hazorik? Maybe once was enough. <laughs> No, 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 that's not nice. No, I, I, hopefully one day we'll get back to Perakazorik. Why not, right? No, good. It was complicated. Sure, it was complicated, but a little bit of complications never, never hurt anybody, right? Right. Okay, friends. Kuf Bez, Amud Bez, new Perak, Perakabone. If you want to take a minute maybe to stretch, to, um, you know, reset your mind, um, I will wait, um, no, just kidding. I'm not going to wait. So somebody who is is constructing something on Shabbos, how much should he? How much does he have to build in order to be considered chayev for for constructing? So the Gemara answer is abone kolshu. Somebody who builds even a kolshu, any amount, you're going to be chayev for. Okay. The Gemara is going to ask, well, well, what is a kolshu good for? Fine. We'll, we'll see. Vamasate, somebody who chisels a stone. On Shabbos, somebody who knocks with a hammer. Now, Rashi actually explains very, very um, nicely that what this is talking about is um, let's actually maybe read it inside. Rashi really explains it very beautifully. It's on the first thin line of Rashi. He says, in the middle of the Rashi, after the person kind of uh, uh, quarries, I guess, around the stone, saviv. And he separates the stone a little bit from the mountain, but it's still connected to the mountain. Then he gives a good knock to the stone. And then the stone, that way, gets separated and falls out from the mountain. And that is the, the completion of the melacha, of the work, for people who quarry stone, and anybody who completes a melacha on Shabbos is a tolada of makabipatish. Oh, very good. So often when it comes to Shabbos, and it's come up already a few times, I think, with us, we consider the final step in any melacha to be what's called the makabipatish. You're going to be high for makabipatish. And how come? 
So Rashi just told us how come. Because what Makkah Patesh refers to, it refers to when the stone quarriers, I guess, are quarrying stone and they find, you know, they find the stone that they want, they etch around it. And the final thing that needs to happen is you take a hammer and you give one big knock to the stone. It gets separated from the mountain. And that last knock on the stone is that final piece to their malacha. And, and we borrow that as for, uh, you know, any malacha that you do and you do that last piece to complete it. It, we, we, we draw the analogy from that last hammer blow on the, um, on that stone to separate it from the mountain. And, um, that is the makabipatish. Okay. Fine. Uve maitzed, or if you give a knock with a maitzed, a maitzed is in, uh, ads? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. A-D-Z-E. I looked it up. You can look it up on, too. I used, uh, Google. You can look on Google for A-D-Z-E. I don't know. It's some kind of a thing. It looks familiar. And if somebody drills, uh, a hole, somebody drills a hole on Shabbos in a wall, so then you're going to be chayv. Okay, Zach Cloud, this is the rule. Don't worry, it's not as complicated as the previous rule we saw today. So if anybody does malacha, that is, it's long-term malacha, you know, drill a hole in the wall. That hole's going to be there forever. Right? Somebody who does a long-term malacha, long-lasting malacha on Shabbos, you're going to be chayv. Vaiter. Omer says, This is interesting. That even if somebody just takes a, a, a hammer and he, and he, and he knocks the, the anvil, that's like this iron kind of board of sorts. I don't know. You can look that up too. Anvil. A-N-V-I-L. So you take a, like a, a hammer and you give a knock on the anvil. So what are you doing? You're just knocking an anvil. So, so, nonetheless, you are going to be, um, chayv and, and I think the Gemara is going to explain why. Well, he says, because you're like fixing malacha. But I guess, imagine we're going to have to explain this a little bit. Because what are you doing? You're just taking a hammer and hitting some iron. You're not making anything. Says the Gemara, what is a kolshu good for, right? In general, in order for us to be chayev on Shabbos, it has to be significant. You know, you have to be accomplishing something. What are you accomplishing by doing a kolshu of bone? What, what can you build that's significant with a, uh, with a kolshu? Amr Birmia. Well, a poor person might um, dig a little, small little hole to put in a few coins. That the uh, equivalent case that we learned it from the Mishkan would be that the um, sowers of the strips. Remember, we had those strips that we saw the other day that the covering of the Mishkan was made up of 10 different strips and they would um, sew five of them together and another five of them together and then they would connect the two, the two you know, pieces with uh, like, uh, what's it called? Hooks in the middle and it looked like stars in the sky. Anyway, so they would sew those yurios, they would sew those strips together into two blocks of five. So the sewers, they would, ha- they would dig these little holes in the ground and they would put their needles in there. And therefore, since those little holes were considered significant enough, that is what would be, that, that, that is what we base the minimum requirement of a kol shu for bona on. Abai Amr, came in the mashtiche, lo abdeyachi. So Abai says, yeah, but, um, if, putting needles, metal needles in holes, um, they're going to get rusty. And since they would get rusty, uh, th- this was not actually a good solution, and they didn't actually. It sounds like the, in the Mishkan, they wouldn't actually, uh, dig these little holes and put the needles in. Rather, Abaya's suggestion is that a poor person will um, create these little legs for a tripod that he will put beneath a um, stove so that he can cook a little bit of food. And I guess that these tripods, these legs were pretty small. And that is the kolshu that, right, that you can build. That, uh, the equivalent in the Mishkan, that the people who would cook up the uh, herbs that they would use to make the dyes, that if you have a little bit of a wool that was missing a little bit of dye, so then you would uh, make this tripod and make a stove and cook up a little bit of dye. Right? They would put this um, little kettle on it and make some more dye on this little stove with these little tripod legs. So that is uh, what you could do with a kolshu. What you could build with a kolshu. 
in Aeneas Bimakum Ashirus. Rachba Yaakov says, What are you talking about, Rabbi Yirmiya and Abaye? You're talking about Aniyim and talking about bringing uh, proofs from, from the Mishkan. There was no uh, Aneus Bimakum Ashirus. In the Mishkan, everything was done. Kiyad, Kiyad Amelech. Everything was done, you know, the, right, as Rashi says, Dayim Vahoser. You know, running out of dyes and you have to make a little bit more dye because you ran out? What are you talking about? They would make so much dye you wouldn't know what to do with all that dye. Everything they did in, in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in the Mishkan was, you know, Shefa. So rather, rather, no, what you could do with building a kolshu is that if you have a homeowner and he has a hole in his wall that he needs to fill in, so he'll just kind of fill in that wall and that's where, and that, and that's where you can build the kolshu, that the filling for the wall. The chavasa Gabi Mishkan, that similarly in the Mishkan, she can keresh shenafla bo darna matif lesocho ever v'sosmo. That if you have a, one of the beams, we know about the beams, right? So one of the beams in the Mishkan, no, who could tell me how wide was a beam? Very good, one and a half amas. What about its thickness? Also very good, one ama. Its height? Ten amos. Very good, everyone. Your memories, you guys, you know, you guys surprise me with your memories. Very good. Very impressed. Very, very impressed. So if you have these beams and the beam gets a worm in it, so and the worm um, uh, like kind of eats a shtickle from the beam, so you put some lead in there and you fill in the holes. So, so that's what you can do with the kol shu. According to Ravach Yaakov, you could, you could fill in holes. Now this is like a fun little bit. I don't know if you're into it. Amr Shmuel says Shmuel, somebody who takes a stone and just Sets it in the ground. Doesn't use any cement or anything like that. He sets it in the ground. Chayev. But meisve. If somebody, um, you have Reuven and Shimon. Reuven puts down the stone. Shimon adds the cement to the stone. Or whatever the material that they would add to it. Teeth is like mud. So who's Chayev? Shimon. The one who puts the mud on the stone is the one who's chayv, implying that simply putting the stone down is not a big deal. Why, why is Shmuel saying that you're chayv for setting, setting a stone without any cement or anything on Shabbos? Apparently, it's the cementing that's important. Just setting a stone isn't important. But with the time, but one second, you're asking me a kasha from that b'risa? A masefa. Keep on reading in that b'risa. What does that b'risa say? Rabbi Yossi Omer, Fafilu hela ve'niach al-gabedimus shalavonim chayv. That Rabbi Yossi says, even if you simply just put a stone on a row of, 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 of other stones, Yechayev. Meaning, whereas Shmuel, at least, he wasn't saying that you're using cement, but he was saying at least you're setting it in the ground, you're putting it down, you're maybe putting some dirt around it, you're making sure it's secure. Rabbi Yossi in that brysa, that you're bringing, right, and so then we had a brysa that says that if Reuven and Shimon, Reuven puts down the stone, Shimon puts on the cement, Shimon's Chayev. So we wanted to say that therefore putting down a stone isn't actually doing anything. But that same brysa says that according to Rabbi Yossi, if you just take a stone and put it down on top of the wall, you're chayv for that. There, you're not even setting it at all. So what's going on? No, there's three ways to kind of add stones to a building, to a wall. You have the bottom of the wall, you have the middle of the wall, and you have the top of the wall. And the way that you set the stones is different for each part. Tata ba'it sadude ve'afra. The bottom layer of stone, you just have to set the stone in the ground and add maybe some dirt around it to make sure it's secure. Mitsia by namitina. Now for the middle part of the wall, you actually have to add cement. The top part of the wall, you can literally just put a stone down over there. You don't really have to set it much. If it moves around a little bit, we don't really care that much. It's the top. You know, nothing, so nothing's really relying on it so much. It's okay. So, so, so. So basically, the point is, depending on what part of the wall you're built, you're constructing, that's what you'll have to do. So when Shmuel says that you're chayv for setting a stone, that's at the bottom of the wall. When the Brisa says that you're only chayv when you put on the mud, well, that's going to be the middle of the wall. When Rabbi Yossi says that, that all you have to do is put something on top to be chayv, that's going to be the, the, right, that's going to be the top of the wall, the Ma'isa. So the Mishnah said that uh, somebody who chisels a stone is going to be chayv. So when you chisel a stone, what are you chayv for? So Rav says, well, you chayv for bone, for building. Shmuel says that you chayv for makabipatish. Okay. 
well, why would you be high from Akiva Padish? Because it's the last thing that but when you when you when you when you um, chisel something, you're not gonna you know you're gonna chisel it and then leave it. You know you're not gonna do anything else to the stone after that. So it's the final thing that you're gonna be doing. Haosa nekev belul shultanagolim. Somebody makes a hole in the chicken coop because you want right there, there's excrement and other bad foul smelling odors in that chicken coop so you don't want to leave it you know completely closed so you'll put in some holes for the odors to um escape so again Rav says you're high for building for constructing shmuel says you're high for makabipatish uh, let's say you are constructing a uh, hoe that you're gonna uh, like kind of hoe the ground with so what do you do you take a handle and then you take the metal hoe instrument part and you stick them in you know you connect them then you take a peg and you stick it in the hole to make sure that the handle stays in tight okay so Rav Amar again Rav says you're chayev for sticking in that peg for bone Shmuel says you're chayev for makabapatish because you know that's the final thing that you're going to do in constructing the hoe we need all three cases because the Ashma'inan Kamaisa if you would only have the first case of chiseling so So that's where Rav, I'll say that that's where Rav says that it's bone chiseling. Chiseling is like a normal building activity. But I might think that in the other case, what would Rav say when you just put a hole in the side of a chicken coop? That, you know, they don't, you know, normal, normal ways of construction don't, they don't just add holes to the wall so that, you know, air can escape. They might add windows and doors so to add ventilation so that air can come in but not necessarily because it, it smells so bad in the house that you need like the smell to escape right therefore i might think that that isn't a normal kind of bona thing and rob might agree with shmuel that the issue is makabipatish that the last thing you do once you can once you create the chicken coop is you put in some holes in the wall so that the foul odors can escape so kamash and that's why we need also the second case the teacher in that case as well and rob is going to say that you're high for bona but if you'd only have the case of what was the first one of chiseling the second one of adding the holes to the chicken coop and uh if we only had those two i might think what would rob say in the case of uh adding that peg into the hoe maybe over there right meaning he might think that even by the chicken coop Maybe it's maka, it's bone because it's similar. It's fine. So you're putting holes in the chicken coop. Maybe normally you don't put holes in buildings for bad smells to get out, but you do put in windows. You do put, you know, holes in the walls for ventilation. So it's not so crazy. But what about just putting a peg in a hoe? Maybe Rav would agree with Shmuel that that is just not really building anything. You're just completing the construct, you know, you're completing making a hoe. You're not like building a building. You're just making an instrument. So that would be It's not like a normal building activity. It's just creating a a a clee. You might agree with Shmuel that it's just makabipatish. Um, that is why we have to have all three of the cases to show that in all three cases, Rav maintains that you're you actually are chai for bone. So why don't you just tell me the final case? Why don't you just tell me the case of of when you're constructing this um, hoe and Rav says you're high for bone? Well, then obviously I know that he's also going to say you're high for bone by putting holes in the chicken coop and by chiseling. Well, because then you have the opposite thing. This is where Shmuel says that you're high for makabipatish. But I might think that by putting holes in the chicken coop and by uh, chiseling, maybe Shmuel would hold with, would agree with Rab that, that you'd be high for bone and not for makabipatish. That's why you, all, you need all three cases to show that the machlokas endures um, 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 throughout all three cases. Rab says you're high for uh, bone. Shmuel says you're high for makabipatish. But I'm Rav Nosin bar Oshai mer Yochanan. Rav Nosin bar Oshai asakash from Rav Yochanan. Misates mishumai mechayev. When you um, chisel, what are you high for? You high for bone? You high for makabipatish? Achvile biyadim shemakabipatish. So he he demonstrated with his hands. He did a little uh, acting. He demonstrated with his hand, uh, you know, as if he was not, uh, knocking a nail or something. So he, he indicated that you high for makabipatish. Right. Right. So then then Rav Nosson Bar Oshai asks of Yochanan, but doesn't say in the Mishnah Hamasatis ve'amakibipatish. Right, chiseling and makibipatish, which sounds like they're two separate things. That Masatis would not be a talada of makibipatish; it would be two separate things. So rather, Rav Yochanan says, just say Hamasatis ha'makibipatish. Kedu, somebody who chisels, which is a talada of makibipatish. Woo! Wow! 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 Okay. So that was. Um, uh, I think that the more 
complex part that we really had to work through was the first Amud, which was at the end of Perak Azorik, which we concluded and we began Perak Abonet. Let's go over this, friends. So um, the Mishnah at the beginning of uh, the Daf had that important rule, which was that in order to be Chayv Korban Chatas, the Tchila and the Sof has to be B'Shogeg. If the Tchila was B'Shogeg and the Sof was B'Mezid, you're part of Korban Chatas. Then the Gemara discussed what happens when Lemaise, you throw something, and when you throw it, it's a mistake, but you remember it in the middle while it's in the air, that it's Shabbos. So we had essentially four opinions, Darin. So we had a Rav Kahana who says, you are going to be Chayv a Korban Chatas, since at the time that you threw it, it was B'Shogeg, and Chayv a Korban Chatas. What about that Klal? What about that rule at the end of the Mishnah that says that you only have Korban Chatas if it was Tchila V'Sof B'Shogeg, but over here he remembered in the middle? No, that's talking about something else. That, so first he wanted to say that that was talking about when you took a clamp and a rope and you threw it, and in that case you were in control the whole time, and since you realized in the middle and you didn't pull it back, so that is why you're going to be um, Potter because it was Tchila V'Sof, Tchila B'Shogeg, B'Sof B'Mezid. Um, but then they said, yeah, but then if you're holding onto a rope, then it's not considered like you threw it. So which says, no, he's talking about you were going to make a chabura, right? And, and you're not high for Zorik, but you're high for making a chabura. To which he said, yeah, but the Mishnah specifically talks about chabura. So then Rav Kahana kind of goes away. Then Rava takes a stab at it. And he says that you're going to be high of for throwing it, even though you remember in, 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 in the air, you're still going to be high of a korban chatas. The, um, rule about the trila and sof, the trila being b'shogeg, sof being b'mezid, being pater, um, that was talking about uh, ha'avara, when you carry something for amis, and in that case, it's, it's in your control the whole time. But they say, yeah, but Zeaklal is talking about zrika, it's not talking about ha'avara. So then we get to sort of the two final answers, which we, which kind of make more sense, which are that, um, that when you throw something and then you remember in the middle that it's Shabbos, you would actually be putter. Okay, and it's in that when the Mishnah is saying that when you throw something and you remember midair, you're putter. And additionally, if you throw something, even if you don't remember in midair that it's Shabbos, but somebody else catches it or a dog catches it, you'd also be putter over there. Um, um, Rav Ashi explains that actually what the Mishnah is saying is that when you throw something and then you remember in the middle that it's Shabbos, you actually would be Chayav, but that would only be if he then forgets again. But if he wouldn't forget, if he would simply remember in the middle that it's Shabbos, then, then he would be putter. Fine. Uh, we talked about what happens if you have two Amos B'Shogeg, two Amos B'Mezid, two Amos B'Shogeg, right? So we say, well, it depends. So Rabbah says that you're a potter, Rabbah says you're chayv, but they really don't disagree. When Rabbah says that you're potter, it's because he's talking about ma'avir, ha'avara, right? And therefore what happens is, when you walk four Amos, well, the first two Amos were B'Shogeg, the second two Amos were B'Mezid, so therefore you're potter from a korban chatas. According to Rabbah, you're chayv because he says that you're talking about throwing something. So when you threw it, the first two Amos were B'Shogeg, and then when it landed, the last two Amos were also B'Shogeg, so therefore it was Akira Nanacha B'Shogeg Sefer Yidin Bi Chayev Akor Ben Chatas Fine We say that Then the Gemara said That even if you throw something um, uh, And and a dog catches it You could still be Chayev uh, To be in Korban Chatas That's if you intended for To throw it uh, to the dog Next Then we got into the new Perak The Perak of Abone And we start And, and the Gemara started off by saying What can you What what thing of significance been, Can be done with a kol because we said that bone is high for a kol So Abiyermia said that a poor person can make a small hole to put in his coins, and similarly in the Mishkan, the, the sowers would make a small holes, small holes to put in their needles. Um, Abaye said, yeah, but the needles would get rusty. So instead he offers that it's talking about um, you can make small legs for a tripod, that uh, in the Mishkan also, right, and that Ani would use that to cook a little bit of food for himself. In the Mishkan also, if they ran out of dye, so they would make these little legs of a tripod to cook up a little bit of, to create a little bit of dye, and they would use that. To which Rabbi Achabar Yaakov says, what are you talking about? In the Mishkan, they never ran out of anything. They would create so much, there was so much shefa, they would never run out. So rather, it's that a homeowner, if he has like a hole in a wall, he'll fill it in, and that's only a kol shu. And similarly, in the Mishkan, if there would be worms eating through the um, krushim, they would have to remove them and fill in the krushim. We talked about setting stones. Shmuel said that you're chayv for simply setting a stone in the ground. We said, what do you mean? But we have a brysa which says that you're chayv only for putting on cement. But the, the Gemara says, no, it, it depends. There's three parts of a wall. The bottom part, the middle part, and the top wall. The bottom part, you simply set it in the ground and you're chayv. The middle part of the wall, um, you add uh, cement, and that's when you're chayv. The top of the wall, um, um, you can simply place something and then you will be chayv. I think I once did an interview uh, for like yeshiva in Israel. I think it was for yeshiva at a hotel. And I think, um, he asked me what I, what I wanted to do for my interview. I think I said maybe borer sugya. I think that maybe he suggested that we do a bone. And then he, um, 
I didn't get into Yeshiva Kotel, you know. Actually, I wanted to go to Yeshiva Kotel, but I didn't get in, so I went to Reisha. But I liked Reisha. Reisha was good. Okay. Um, and then the Gemara says, um, right, then we had a, a, a series of different things where Rav maintains that um, you're going to be chayiv for Bona. Shmuel maintains you're going to be chayiv for Makkah Patish. Uh, the first one was uh, chiseling. The second one was uh, putting holes in a chicken coop. And the third one was uh, kind of uh, putting a peg in a hoe to keep it in place. Friends? Have an awesome day, an awesome night. Peace out.